Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Craig Hoffman will join the program at 2 p.m. You can check out Craig Hoffman on the Team 980, always available on the go on the Odyssey app. Go around the NFL on NFL Hits, and here's a teaser for that. For the first time all season, Patrick Mahomes is not the leader atop of the NFL MVP odds. No, someone has taken over the top spot from Patrick Mahomes. We'll break that down at 145 on NFL Hits. Bill Roth for the Gates Hokies update in about 15 minutes, but I wanted to mix things up right now and uh, let you know about uh, an interesting story locally here. Uh, it involves a ghost kitchen. Do, are you aware what a ghost kitchen is, Stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm aware. Okay, so I didn't know what a ghost kitchen was for a long time. Now that I've been hit for, to a ghost kitchen, I'm all in on ghost kitchens. They're so great. Really? Yes, I love a ghost kitchen. There And uh, Richmond Eats is a ghost kitchen right in Scott's Edition. And uh, I had some really great food Saturday night at 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Mm. Remember, I met the girl. She texted me. Uh, I texted her meow. Yeah, her, you texted, you texted her meow. Right, right, right. She texted herself meow. Well, after that debacle, I was like, I want some late night food, and so I went to the ghost kitchen and had amazing bulgogi fried rice. The fact that you can get bulgogi fried rice at two a.m. is unbelievable, and it was excellent. So we'll break down all the local food news right now here on Dude Food. Dude Food. We're not responsible for the content of this program or anything we say when we're really hungry. Where's my food? Dude, where's my food? The most delicious food you've ever tasted. Yes! How can he piss off a flip-flop? <laughs> he loves food. Dude! Food! So there's supposed to be, Stub, a food haul coming to Scott's Edition. There's been all this talk about it for over a year now. And I read an article a couple weeks ago. There's something going on with the companies that are hiring the construction workers to put it together and it's delayed it over and over again so until we get the food haul i'm always looking for you know the best places to eat around my area in scott's edition and richmond eats is a good place because they have this ghost kitchen there with a ton of different options and they're open late well they just announced they're adding bonchon to richmond east I love Bonchon. Have you had Bonchon? I have not, but I'm a little... So did you go in person to this ghost kitchen? Yeah. My understanding was that they ghost kitchens exist for DoorDash and Grubhub. They do. This place, Richmond Eats, allows you to go in. You can't really sit and eat in there, but you can order to go. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of delivery drivers are going. Like, while I was there waiting for my food, three Grubhubbers came yeah, in yeah. and out. And that's what most of the time a, a ghost kitchen is, right? And in college, some of the, like... Uh, bars and clubs downtown turned into a ghost kitchen during the day so they could make some money, right, and, and stuff like that. But Banchan is known for their Korean fried chicken, right? It's a different mm. take on KFC, <laughs> right? <laughs> Instead of Kentucky fried, it's Korean yeah, fried. Yeah, they got the K-Barbecue on right. K Street. And what they do at Banchan, though, it's, I think it's the best fried chicken. It's the really? best I've ever had. They double fry it. All right, I'm telling you, it's not good for you, all right? It's probably not good for your bloodstream or your cholesterol or your belly, but the way that they double fry that, it is amazing. Bonchon was located right next to our 106.7 The Fan Studios in D.C., and I was getting it once a week. It's amazing. <laughs> Pretty good fried rice and french fries there also, but okay. Bonchon coming to the Ghost Kitchen at Richmond Eats. I am out. On Ghost Kitchen. Oh, what is this because, for? Because, listen, so so what they do is yeah. they set up these shops. Yeah. 
and they make these like fake sounding names on Grubhub. And then they're and, real names, but I, okay. But like, th- there's a lot of ghost kitchens that are just like they're Applebee's, but it's a new name, and it's only part of the menu. Okay. And, and they're trying to make you think that you're supporting like this local small restaurant, right? When you're like, not. Like there was this place called like I, I don't know like Crazy Chicken. Okay. That I would get in Blacksburg. It was just outhouse, uh, yeah. outback. Yeah. It was just outback chicken. Okay. And so you think that you're supporting this place, but did it not taste good? I mean, it was an Outback chicken. Like, it was like fine. I yeah, don't know. It was probably really <laughs> good. Here's what you're. So you're out on the idea of a ghost kitchen, but you have to admit they all taste good. I mean, like they're fine. They're good. I, food. Look, I'm I'm a DoorDash driver myself. Oh, I didn't know this. I do. That that that's my that's side. Gonna be awkward when you show up at my apartment. <laughs> that's, gonna, that's gonna be really awkward. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Why, why isn't the podcast posted today? Oh, thanks for my chicken. You yeah. better tip me well. <laughs> I tell you, you know what? Let me be honest with you. I am not a good tipper with Grubhub and DoorDash and those guys. I hate you. But here's the thing. (laughs) It's because, you know what? I'm calling you people out. You damn food (laughs) delivery drivers. All right? And I've gone on this rant before. If you're going to deliver food, you have to deliver it to my door. You can't do the bit where you say, oh, I'm outside of the apartment. Come downstairs. I'm not coming downstairs. I've never done that. I've never done that. A lot of the food drivers do that. I've never once done that. They refuse to come up the stairs. I always enter them, unless it's locked. Right. You always have to. Yeah, of course. Yes. So so pay me. (laughs) So that's my biggest issue. And the second thing is... The delivery fees are absurd. That's not my fault. You know what? That's, that's <laughs> not my for, fault. Work for a better company that charges less delivery fees. Which, they all charge. Which one do you, which one do you I DoorDash. You DoorDash. I DoorDash. I will say, I like DoorDash better than Grubhub. I will say that. But I am out on Uber Eats. My not goodness. once have I Uber Eats. Oh, my God. You might as well call an Uber, Uber to the restaurant, <laughs> pick up the food, Uber home, and it will still be less than the charges for delivery. I, look, I, I know that the, the fees are ridiculous, Yeah. but please tip your drivers. How much is a good tip for that? How much do you think? Like, I'm shocked to get $3. Oh, I'm oh, wait, so $3 is under or $3? Like, is- like I, I like 50% are like $1 or less yeah, 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 yeah. of my tips. Okay, so I will I will be honest with you. I've been doing 175 <laughs> is that what I, would you would you spit on my food? I wouldn't spit on your food. I I because I get like I get a couple no tips every day. That okay, I do it. And so, I, I I've been doing a lot less. But recently. aren't you getting an hourly rate wage also? Um, you get an hourly wage while you're driving. Okay. So if you're sitting there waiting for an order, you're not getting anything. Oh. Yeah. So it's okay. not great. And how does it work though? Do you have to like it pops up and you have to you have to grab it before another driver does? Um, it only gives it to you when you have thirty seconds to grab it. Oh and wow! If it, so, there's an option of per order or hourly. And if you're hourly, you have to accept everything. But if you're per per order, you yeah. you can just be so like, what are I don't. You? I well, you can choose. Oh, every Each day time you, you can start, choose. you can choose. I usually do hourly because uh-huh. it's usually a, a bit of traffic with Richmond. Yeah. So the hourly Have you been staying like better. around your house, or are you going all the way to Midlow? It it, it shoots me everywhere. Yeah. I, I end up in Glen Allen a lot. Dude, I'm doing. Be honest with you, I had a bunch of stories about Chick Fil A, Taco Bell. I just want to hear more about you delivering food. <laughs> so, uh, are they paying for your mileage and your gas? No. Oh, that sucks. But it's it's fifteen seventy five an hour. Okay. Plus tips, which. I can usually get twenty an hour, yeah, and then you take and out that's gas. Decent. That's, that's decent. decent. Yeah. That's decent. So I, I'm not. I don't mind it. The best. What, what are your peak hours? Like, are you driving at one a.m. and stuff? No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I usually after we finish up here, I'll go home, mm-hmm. eat, and then like five. Yeah. Five p.m. Get to a like hours five p.m. In. to seven. 
and then come home and you can yeah, just live your normal out. life. Yeah. Yeah. But the best was one because I did this in high school too. It was it was like Christmas time and uh-huh. I did it, and the family left out some little candy canes in a note. And and uh, and some dollar tips for me. Really, and that was that was the best. Well, you just—that's funny. You just brought up a, a great story from college. All right, my sophomore year, we were living on Cherry Street, and we threw a, a banger. I mean, this was a, a rager, great party. Now, I will say, cops came and busted it, and of mm. course, that's what happens at ECU parties. They always end a little too early. But what I will say is, the party was so good that somebody ordered pizza. The pizza man came into the party, delivered the pizza left his bag, and then just started dancing and raging and drinking beer. And we still have the bag from Pizza Hut on that night. He he delivered the pizza, and he said, you know what? Screw clocking in. I'm going to clock out and drink some beers with AWOD. The the, the thing is, I, I like want to do later deliveries because yeah. people drunk people tip better oh i bet you know and like yeah, when I'm you're so downtown i'm like dollar 75 that's good enough but it's usually like it's like eight and i want to make a little vodka cran at home yeah. and then i've had it and it's like well now i can't yeah yeah <laughs> so it, it's kind of like you're sacrificing your own night yeah. to, to get the money so it, it do you what it what uh do you go by a different name on, on doordash like, no, are you just telling everyone your name is Christopher? Yeah. You should go by Stubb. I, I don't think you I can change Stubb it. should give Stubb some more recognition. <laughs> I, That'd be all. If I got a, if, if you, I got a delivery from Stubb, I would tip you 50%. If you, it all said right. Stubb is on the way with yeah. your Chick-fil-A, you, yeah. would, <laughs> you would pay more. <laughs> I think you should do it. Commit I, to the bit. I need to. You'll I, be, you're sleeping on how many people listen to this show. They're, you're, they're going to start recognizing you they, around uh, Richmond. A celebrity is delivering my McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Stubb, Stubb came through with the Burger King. Now he's the Burger King. All right, I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. If we missed any food news because we got uh, d- distracted here by uh, Stubb's second job, you can ch- chime in 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball, the Washington Commanders, and proud to be the home of the Hokies. Every game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan. And now it's time for the Cowan Gates Hokies update with Bill Roth. What's going on, Bill? Hey, man, good to be with you. Always great to be in Richmond, especially when the Hokies are playing well and there's this positive vibe about tech football. For the first time in a while, you know, I mean, yeah. I think the way the Hokie Nation feels now after the Pitt game, the Florida State game, and the Wake Forest game is much different than it did, oh, I don't know, a month ago or a year ago <laughs> or two years ago. So I think that there's, uh, you can see the the momentum building. You can see what prize you're trying to accomplish, and I'm happy for uh, I'm happy for our fans. Yeah, I'll tell you, my favorite thing is, is I've gone out to Wood Iron, River City Roll, if you, Home Team Grill. Anytime I go out to watch college football, if there's a tech game on, there's going to be a huge fan base there all, you know, rocking their jerseys. Well, the, the fan base never left, and that's, I'm, I'm smiling because it's fun to talk about tech's fans. You yeah. know, I, uh, I mentioned to you before that last year only two teams in the country – Lost eight games and averaged 65,000 fans, right? Virginia Tech and Nebraska. And we joked that that's not a list that you ever want to be on. <laughs> and uh, hopefully the Tech will never be on that list again. However, it's, it, it's an interesting note. Uh, and, and they've sold out the first four games this year. And we, we talk about that. You, you see that a lot in athletics. This game is sold out. And then you get there and then the upper corners of the stadium are empty. 
That hasn't been the case at Tech. Yeah. And again, this past week for the Wake Forest game, when you know our booth is on level seven at Lane Stadium, and so we can look straight across at the East Stands, we're at the very top of that, and we can see uh, straight across from us. At the very top, you can't see the aisles. There, it's overflow. It's jammed. And I, and I, I mentioned on the air when the Hokies were getting set to play uh, the pit game that the vibe w- was as if the Georgia Bulldogs were in town <laughs> and both teams were undefeated in Week 10. That's what it felt like. Now, we know that that if you don't win, eventually that wears off, right? But it, but, but it hasn't happened to Tech. Yeah. And the fans are coming. And, and, you know, we have more. I think this. There are more Virginia Tech fans today than ever. And if you look at ticket sales, Tech has never sold more tickets. Okay? Tech is selling more tickets now than it ever did during the Michael Vick era. Wow. Or the Brian Randall era. Or the Logan Thomas era. Or the Tyrod Taylor era. (laughs) Yeah. Virginia Tech is raising more money than it ever did. Ever. Last year was the highest year ever. That was coming off a a three and eight, right? Yeah. Uh, enrollment is up. All those, all those metrics that you look at. But the, you're right. The fan base has been there, and it's 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 just great to be a part of it. And, yeah. You know the, uh, it, it's part of the culture, particularly in, in the central. I know we think Richmond Central, but I'm, I'm from from Lynchburg West. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's the geographic center of the state. How's that? Yeah. You know the the it, it's it's orange and maroon twenty four seven, and it's cool to see. Bill, I got to tell you, I know a lot of radio hosts across the country like to do this, and that's take out the back padding machine and pat yourself on the back when you get something right. And I, I said all year I wanted Chiron Drones to be the starting quarterback, and he's changed this offense. With his, with his ability to run, you're seeing it set up the play action, and the offense has looked completely different. They've done a lot of different things. So if you recall back in August, it was who's the starting quarterback going to be? Remember that? Is it Grant Wells or is it Drones? And they were basically running pretty much the same offense because you're you're only practicing one offense. You're just flip-flopping the QBs with the number one offensive line and the number one skill guys. You could tell right away that Drones' skill set is different than Grant's, and they've made big tweaks there. They're doing so much misdirection. They're doing so many counters. Uh, they're doing a little triple option, not in the traditional option game, but very similar to what Coach Chadwell did at, at uh, Coastal Carolina and what he's doing now at Liberty. In other words, every play is an RPL, which isn't you know unusual for, for a lot of teams these days, most teams. Um, but the play call, there's three things that can happen, right? Like drones can keep it, drones can hand it off, or drones can throw depending on what he sees. yeah. And so, you know, I, I joke with people, Bowen calls a play, Tyler Bowen, the offensive coordinator, he doesn't really know what it is either, right? And, <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of the beauty of it. And so that you, and then you take a look at in his third collegiate start, Drones was responsible for five touchdowns. Yeah. Okay, in his fifth collegiate start, which was this past Saturday, he threw for 360 yards and ran for 50. And the only tech quarterbacks that have ever done that in the last 25 years are Gerard Evans and, and Brian Randall. Mm. I mean, Michael Vick never did that. Tyrod Taylor never did that. 
and he started five games. Yeah. So you know, you you clearly you, you found a quarterback here. You have found a quarterback, and the offense is it's cool to see what they do, right? He takes the snap. He it looks like it's going to be a toss sweep to the tailback. Everybody's going that way. He fakes the toss and he rolls out left and throws it. Yeah. And and there's that wide open tight end. That wasn't Wells's thing, right? That Grant wasn't the run around back there and make people miss quarterback. And and now all of a sudden defenses are honest. You're keeping defenses honest and. There's now when you do just run the ball straight ahead, there's a big hole for Thomas or there's a big hole for Tootin. And and on the other side of the ball, you know, uh, APR had four sacks on Saturday. Yeah. So that group's getting better too. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're making progress. It's exciting to see. And, and the fan base can start talking about a possibility of a bowl game if, if they could keep rushing it like they did against Wake Forest, 141 yards. But more impressive – was the fact that they held Wake Forest to just 35 yards rushing. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. Yeah, you know, and we'll talk more about this next week because the game's a Thursday night game. So both Pittsburgh, both Pitt and Wake Forest are having some quarterback issues, right? So Pittsburgh had Jakovic. He started that game. It was his last game as a quarterback. They've moved him to tight end. They brought the new guy in. You saw how great he played against Louisville, and they beat Louisville last week, right? Yeah. You know, Wake Forest has played – both of its quarterbacks uh, this year, and they've had a hard time with it. You know, Sam Hartman left. It's a much different team. If Sam Hartman was playing at Wake Forest instead of at Notre Dame, it, it's, it's different. He's a, he's an NFL kind of guy at quarterback, and the guys that are replacing him aren't at that level. And so Tech's defense, it, it, it has, they did a really nice job of, of crowding the line, of mucking up the slow mush against Wake. They did a really good job against Pitt in crowding the line and getting after Dracovic. Um, you know, Syracuse has a – Schrader is the best quarterback of that three. And, and you know, Syracuse, Syracuse won at Purdue pretty handily, by the way. That's a team that beat the Hokies. That's mm-hmm. Purdue's only win. So, And they went to Indiana and did that. And I think that a good quarterback – you got to change the way you play defensively. And we'll talk more about Syracuse next week. But uh, I, I do think if the Hokies win the game, getting back to your question, they'd, be, they'd go into the month of November 3-1 and one in the league yeah, and 4-4 four and four overall. 3-1 and one in ACC play. And, and I think that's in a good spot. And, and, and I'll tell you why. Well, first of all, they, they finished the month of September 1-3. So if you're 3-1 and one in the conference after that start, that's a good comeback, right? Yeah. But, like, Miami plays Clemson Saturday, right? This coming Saturday. If Miami loses that game, Adam, Miami's going to be 0-3 in the conference. And Clemson is favored to win, right? Yeah. And, and so, we talked about this last week. You have to take advantage. Play, yeah, it helps you, got to take you, advantage right? of not having UNC, not having Duke, not having Clemson on the schedule. And every game on the schedule now is a winnable game, in my opinion. Yeah, Louisville on the road will be tough. And, and, and the other games are 50-50 games, right? Yeah. I mean, even the Syracuse game, it's a 50-50 game. So if you, if you split the rest, you know, you got a shot. And, and, you know, the Virginia game at the end of the season could be huge. The BC game uh, on the road is huge. Well, they're all huge because of September. You just don't have the margin of error after losing three or four non-conference games. But the Syracuse game now becomes the the absolute key game of the year because it, it it sends you down the stretch it sends you into November if the Hokies win three and one in the league and a chance to I mean if you get to a bowl game at that point Adam it could be a decent bowl you know yeah <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah 
you know, all of a sudden you're like, well, my goodness, uh, you know, if the Hokies get to six wins, they might, they're going to have five ACC wins. They'd be five and three in the league. And they've won the Coastal with a five and three record. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's been fun to watch the progression. It's good to talk about this stuff again. Now, you know, you don't know how it's going to turn out, but you're, you're really encouraged with the way this specific team has played in, in its last three outings. And that Syracuse game is eight days away, so we'll preview that Thursday night home game uh, next week, Bill. Always appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate all the Hokies hanging in there with this team and this group and uh, and all of us. Um, we, we knew it would turn eventually. Yep. Hopefully this is the turn. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Always available around the country on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free. and Just search Odyssey on your Android or your iPhone. I hope most people are iPhone users by now, but it's A-U-D-A-C-Y. And then you can hear me on 910 The Fan from 12 to 3 p.m. We also have our sister station, the Team 980 in Washington, D.C. And from the Team 980 right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's Craig Hoffman. What's going on, Craig? What's up, Adam? How are you, man? Uh, Why are you so uh, anti-Android? Oh, my goodness. You you don't want to get me started on why I'm so anti-Android. When somebody texts me and it shows up with the green bubble, I, I usually just don't text back. I, I'm so against Android users. And my dad's one of these Android users. He doesn't even... Here's oh, the problem no. with Android users. They don't understand how to use the Android. iPhone users know how to use their phone for everything. These an, these Androids are too damn complicated for a, a man over his 60. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm not like I'm pro-Android as I sit here on my iPhone. I'm right. just curious, and uh, I didn't know how to unlock that. So you're welcome, audience. Well, I'll tell you, I am more upset, all right, I'm more upset at Linnell than I am Android users because I saw the headline from a quote that he gave on your show where he believes that Sam Howell's holding the offense back. Yeah, so we do a segment on Tuesdays we call Overreaction Tuesdays, uh, which is my chance to let Linnell get off his takes and also tell him that they're overreactions at times. <laughs> and um, he's actually, it's been funny. I've kind of been clowning him because he comes on the show and it's almost like he's scared, uh, to just go full hot take artist Linnell, uh, because he's sitting face to face with me. But this week, um, he was, he was a little more back on his game. And, um, I, I, the funny thing about it is if you read the article, so to speak, and not the headline, I think most people would actually agree with him. He made a lot of really compelling, interesting points. I just disagree with kind of the conclusion and the framing of it. Yeah. The biggest problem the offense has is they're taking too many sacks. The person most culpable for them taking so many sacks is Sam Howell. If you draw those lines to that is Sam Howell holding the offense back, you're correct. You're also ignoring the fact that he's also probably the biggest catalyst for the positive stuff that's happening in the offense. He is, I think, getting better in some of those sack situations, although the numbers don't reflect it yet. And, you know, that – he, there's not a better option. So it's not, it'd be one thing if it's like, oh, he's holding the offense back, put Jacoby Brissett in, and it would get better. No, the offense would then suffer in other areas that the sacks wouldn't make up for, and it'd be worse. So I don't love the framing. Same thing with, like, Eric Eager, um, the quote that was made a lot of headlines yesterday from Kevin Sheehan's show, and I know Grant and Danny had uh, him on as well up here 
talking about, you know, Sam Howell's a, a high-end backup because of the sacks. It's like, well, yeah, if you want to look at it in a total vacuum, yeah, that, that's probably an accurate statement right now. His highest and best use is high-end backup. But realistically, he's a young player who is hopefully improving. Um, but I will say this, like, if I'm going to be totally objective about this and take my future predictions out of it and what I think Sam can be, which is very good, um, sack, sack rate is not a stat that quarterbacks tend to get better at. It is a quarterback-driven stat, and it tends to be a thing that if you're bad at it in college, you'll be bad at it in the pros, and you're not going to get that much better at it throughout your career as opposed to a lot of other things that can improve. So it is kind of a scary thing. The commanders are taking on a, a real risk here with Sam in that way. I just happen to think that he is smart enough to overcome it and that there is also some situational play calling stuff that can potentially happen to keep him out of those situations quite as often where he is taking sacks. Yeah, and Craig, look, I'll admit I haven't listened to the segment yet. I just really don't like the quote about him saying that Sam Howell's holding the commander's offense back, and I'm not aware of the bit of how you guys are overreacting and having fun, and I'm a huge fan of Linnell, all right? I love Linnell. I want him to be great, and I'm trying to train him to use the force. He's my Padawan become a Jedi. But my take is this is why are we complaining? Why aren't we complaining about the defense that's given up 400 yards and that's given up a ton of points? Why are we talking about Sam Howell taking sacks here when if the defense doesn't improve, the sacks won't matter because we'll be down every game. Ah, uh, Adam, here's where I hit you with some Jedi level knowledge. Yeah. Because if Sam Howell wouldn't take so many sacks, the defense wouldn't give up 400 yards. The problem in the second half on Sunday was the offense could not stay on the field. And Howell's sacks were a big part of that. If you get on or convert on third down, uh, which involves being more efficient on first and second down and making it so you stop being in third and long, then the defense does not give up 400 yards because they only gave up five yards of play, which is kind of league average. They gave up 400 yards because they were on the field for 79 plays because their offense could not sustain drives. The two things are related. Like when we talk about complementary football, that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. The defense down in and down out did not play poorly on Sunday. In fact, when Logan went back and watched the tape and we talked about it on take command, he said he thought they played better after watching the tape than he even thought going, you know, coming out of the game on Sunday. Like down in, down out, you evaluate the process and they did the right thing way more often than they did the wrong thing. There's obviously a couple of big plays that get given up. There's a couple of plays that just get made like the Drake London catch on the sideline of Benjamin St. Juice. Like, St. Juice has just got to have better ball skills, but he's in position. Like the process is good up until the point of making the play. Jamin loses uh, Kyle Pitts on the play. The touchdown early is some miscommunication, weird stuff with Danny Johnson and St. Juice. But that kind of stuff happens in NFL games. Like at the end of the day, they made plays in big spots and they gave up 16 points. And they did it despite the fact that their offense completely hung them out to dry for over a half of football. So that's why you need to talk about Sam Howell. And like again, I'm not, you know, I know, but you're also giving about. the defense a lot of credit for the three interceptions. I mean, the Benjamin St. Juice one, the ball landed in his hands. It was the worst play. Right, the it landed in his made. hands because they're pressuring Desmond Ritter. Like he's got he they right. freaked him out. Ritter Ritter should have just taken the sack. <laughs> right? Okay. But sacks are so and much like, better than turnovers. So much better. Of course. Of course, but like they knew who they were playing and they picked their spots and they did a good job of it. Like that's the defense's job. Like I think sometimes people want want players in this team offensively and defensively to take tests that they don't have to take. 
It's like you can't play Mahomes and Allen and the best teams every weekend and then shut them out, not just because that's hard, but because they're not on your schedule every week. And so when you play Desmond Ritter and the Falcons, you you stop the run, which they did a tremendous job of. You make Ritter get in tough downs and distances where he's got to make plays. You apply pressure, and you see if he responds. He didn't. He threw the ball straight to him. And I think all of those turnovers happen on third or fourth down, if I'm not mistaken. So they take their spots, they execute it, and then they capitalize by actually catching the football. Like, that's a job well done in my book. And winning in the NFL, especially on the road, is really hard, and they did it. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with you, and it's not like I I disagree with your points, but we're talking about a quarterback that's thrown for 1,500 yards, nine touchdowns to six interceptions. Yes, he's taken sacks, but that's not as big of a deal as a defense that three weeks in a row has let one wide receiver go off for 120-plus yards. That's a bigger deal. Yeah, I'm not telling you that. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I don't. I'm not telling you this defense is playing perfectly. But again, like, does Drake London have a, over 100 yards if they're only on the field for 55 snaps? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Like that, th- these two things work in tandem together, and the sacks are the biggest problem on the offensive side. If you want to talk about some of those things that are happening defensively, like that's that's a bit of a different conversation. But I, I think there's enough room for to have both, and also to put them in context that like, you know. They haven't played per- like they did enough to win on Sunday, but they didn't play perfectly, which means you can look at, okay, how do you continue to refine the process and get better um, while also acknowledging that they did enough? Like, I think we just have a huge problem, and I feel like it's worse this year than it's ever been of holding two thoughts in our head at once, which is that some things can be going well, whether it's with the team, with specific players, with units, some things can be going well and poorly at the same time. Sam can be good for 80% of stuff, but the 20% that's bad is really damaging. Like both of those things are true down in, down out most snaps. Like if you did a cut up of every play that Sam had this year and handed it to some independent analyst and did it without the sacks, they would think he's like a front runner for MVP. He's been really, really good when he doesn't take sacks. He's also taken more sacks than every single quarterback in the NFL, and he's on pace to take more than any in NFL history. That's a problem, and those two things can be true at once. Do you think that the sacks is going to lead to more turnovers? Is it going to lead to him getting hurt? Like, What is more of your thoughts on, on why the amount of sacks is so bad? I, I get it. He's leading the NFL, and that's not good. But he's also scoring a lot of points, though. Uh, they're not scoring as many as they could. I mean, they're they're like middle of the pack scoring offense. Um, they're averaging twenty two a game, I think, which is not like amazing. It's not bad. It's, it's better upgrade than it's from been. last year. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. And like again, like Sam's done a lot of really great stuff. Um, but they also like they benefit Sunday from the Jamison Crowder punt return and for a, from a terrible Desmond Ritter interception. And I bring those two drives up as touchdown drives to say like when you don't have to sustain a drive over the course of, of the full field, you're less likely to take a sack at some point in that drive and thus more likely to score. So I think it's, it's the things you said. And also when you have to sustain drives and you take one sack, your likelihood of scoring drops dramatically. Mm-hmm. So whether it's touchdown, a field goal or field goal to nothing, like you're just way less likely to score points when you take sacks. I also think there's a chance that he gets, whether it's hurt, knocked out and he's gone for multiple weeks, or he's just banged up and then the performance starts to drop off. Or, yes, if you take hits, to be, I mean, sack fumbles to certainly back in the turnover-wise happen, or you take a hit and the ball floats up in the air, or you just make a bad read because you're rushed like Ritter has 
or like Ritter did over the weekend, like all of those things are on the table. And ultimately, like, I think the reason that we talk about, and again, like, I want to be really clear. Like, I like Sam Howell a lot. I'm very happy he's the starting quarterback here. And I think he's doing overall a tremendous job. But specific to this issue, they're on him. There are receivers open this weekend, at least. There's receivers open on four of the five sacks. He had enough time. He's just on certain types of route combinations, on certain situations it seems like he's not seeing the field clearly. And seven starts in, I'm not too upset about that. Like, it is what it is, but he's got to start making progress in that area. Otherwise, he's not going to have a chance to because he will get hurt or something like that will happen. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I, I just think my overall take is we're, all, we're nitpicking a quarterback here that's been the best quarterback since Kirk Cousins when we should be focusing on the defense, the offensive line, the fact that we're not getting enough push for the running back. The offensive line is playing fine. Like that, that's the one that I just I don't really understand the criticism. Like PFF's got them graded as a top 10 pass-protecting offensive line in football, and they don't really run the ball that much. And when they have, like, they're middle of the pack in yards per carry. Yeah, I, th- so, well, I, like, thought, I thought in the fourth quarter there, the problem with the drives is the offensive line wasn't getting push on the early runs. Do you agree I mean, with that's that? That's part of it. Yeah. I, that, that's, that's part of it. Like, they have had some issues. They don't scheme up their runs in the way that, like, the elite rushing offenses do. Like, that's just not a huge emphasis for them. Um, and I'm going to put that more on the coaching staff and the fact that they didn't practice running the football the entire spring and the first part of training camp than I am the execution of the specific offensive linemen themselves. Um, I think it's a scheme issue. I think it's a focus issue. Um, and I think that if they could, you know, if they could get some more of the quick game going and, and kind of loosen up the defense a little bit, then they would have better success. Like they're not a team that runs to set up the pass. They're a team that passes to set up the run. And the past offense dying in the second half meant they couldn't really get to the run. Great, great stuff, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Tell Linnell I still love him. <laughs> I will. All right, thanks, Adam. See yep. you, buddy. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home. For the best damn sports talk here in town, talk a, a ton of D.C. sports with a Richmond flavor. We drive down Richmond Highway with the czar, Gary Hess, talk high school football every Wednesday at 2.15. Lane Casadante from CBS 6 here locally joins us every Tuesday at 1.30. Talk about local high school and college sports here in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio, and I'll tell you, I have been on a a grind watching a ton of sports documentaries. I'm all in on sports documentaries. I've been watching the new one on Netflix, Beckham. So I'll get to that and give you my recap of that right now here on Netflix. Netflix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. All right, Beckham on Netflix. Beckham, David Beckham, the boy wonder, the pretty boy, played for England, Manchester United, uh, in the early part of his career, and that's where the documentary begins. It's excellent. First off, I will admit, I do love it because his wife's in it, and Posh has always been my favorite Spice Girl. Love her. Love Victoria Beckham. Uh, But I'm also a huge soccer fan, and I just wasn't aware of how much David Beckham was hated after the World Cup game in which England lost to Argentina and he got a red card. The documentary points out, nobody ever talks about the fact that 
England lost in penalty kicks. It's not like they lost because they had 10 men on the field. They lost because they didn't make enough penalty kicks. David Beckham wasn't on the pitch to kick one. But yet the manager blamed Beckham. And he was getting so much hate when he returned to England, Stub, that he was getting death threats everywhere he went. They were throwing things at him. They were sent. They were mailing bullets to his house. Oh my yeah, people in England, they wanted to murder David Beckham. And partially that's because he got the red card. But the bigger deal is because the manager went out and just blamed Beckham. So it's a great documentary. I'm two episodes into it. I think it's a four-part series. And it's great. If you know any sports documentaries uh, that are really good, you can call in right now. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Another small story I wanted to bring up on Netflix today. So we know that Deadpool 3, when is when is that going to get released? It's, oh, it's like it keeps I, it, getting pushed back. Yeah, right? I mean, with the strikes, I mean, the actors are still on strike, yeah. so they can't really work on it. Uh-huh. But it's going to star Hugh Jackman alongside Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah. And there were rumors that it was going to be the first installation in which the X-Men and the MCU would combine for the multiverse, right? Mm -hmm. And there were rumors out there that they were going to have a new Wolverine, right? Hugh Jackman's already said, it's going to be the last time I do Wolverine. I think he's yeah. the best Wolverine of all time. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like I mean, the only one. <laughs> well, I mean, if, even if you talk about like uh, the comic guys, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Or, or the animated versions, they just don't match what Hugh Jackman brought to the table. But some fans were suggesting that Daniel Radcliffe was bulking up and was getting ready to be the next Wolverine. Well, in an interview with Vanity Fair, he declined the, he denied the rumors, said, I just want to be fit. Uh, people are insane uh, to think that me getting into shape means that I'm playing Wolverine. The, That's the, not true. The rumors for Deadpool 3 are unlike anything. Like, everyone's going crazy and predicting everyone's going to show up. It's getting right. ridiculous. Like, well, because I think what they did, which was an issue, is Kevin, was it Feige or Feige? Oh, Feige. Feige. He basically came out and said that after, I think, the events of Deadpool 3, that it's all open for anybody to return. Like, Tony Stark could come back. And all these people, because they're going to reset yeah, the events they, he, I, of Infinity War. And I just don't like that. It's like, yeah. you're trying to go for a younger audience, I guess. But everyone that's stuck with you throughout Phase 1, 2, 3, and 4, we don't want to see you go back to those guys. Give us new. Yeah, they're really losing steam. Yeah. And you can tell. They're, yeah. they're making a lot of changes. I really thought the last Doctor Strange was awful. I liked it. It was, it was a horror movie, but it was not a MCU movie. It was it, for the horror category. I, I enjoyed parts of it, but at the end of it, I was like, "What is this? this is not the MCU that I there, fell in love." There with. were some dumb choices. Yeah. I love Sam Raimi. Yeah. I love all of his movies. Yeah. The well, Evil Dead trilogy. Fan. I am you're a horror, horror fan. Yeah. So seeing him uh, get in there was nice, but it's been nothing's been great lately. So uh, another story we wanted to get to on Netflix today involves Netflix testing game streaming capabilities more seriously to hopefully compete with PlayStation and Xbox. I think that's wild to put yourself in the category it's, with PlayStation and it Xbox. It is a horrible idea. They should put themselves in the category with like iPhone games and Android games, it, you know what I mean? Like the the entering the console market is not possible. Right now, Google tried right. to, with their like streaming yeah. console, failed horribly. The yeah. Stadia, no one has one. It doesn't streaming isn't there yet for games. Well, and you need such good internet yeah. for it to work, and and it's just not enough people that 
are going to play games on Netflix have right. the internet to right. do that. Well, when you go to Netflix, you don't want to hold a controller. That's been my biggest thing, right? Like, they have a few trivia games on there. Like, they have Trivia Pursuit. Uh, I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have this other game uh, I played with my mom where you, like, you're a, you're a fox trying to steal paintings, and every time you get a question right, you steal something. Um, and it's just kind of like... A trivia game, right? It sounds like games on like a DVD. Yeah. Like for a movie. And that's exactly like that kind of what thing. it is. That's yeah. exactly what it is. And it's not good enough. Uh, the test is limited beta and not everyone may have access, but initial users can play two games. They're calling Oxen Free and Mulhue's Mining Adventure. <laughs> uh, using their phone as the controller. If, if you're going to do that, why wouldn't I just use the Xbox then? You know? I, yeah. And I, I think that like, uh, do you know about Jackbox? What's Jackbox? Jackbox is it's a series of games where you put it on like the PlayStation and then everyone plays on their phones and okay. they're like party games and they're okay. great. Love them. Like and what's it, an example game that you'd play? Like, uh, like beer pong? No. No, no, no. It's like it's like it'll have like a prompt and like everyone will get the prompt on their phone and they write out a silly answer and then it shows it on the screen and you have to vote for which one is funnier. Oh, so it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, almost. but it's it's like it's more. It's like a video game element to it, and there's yeah. a ton of different games. Really fun. I play it all the time. So and how do you buy that? I'm interested. It's it's just on, like, PlayStation Store. Oh, okay. Anything like that. What yeah. if it's on uh, Xbox? It is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's everywhere. All right. Jack so, in the Box? Jack Box. Jack Box. Yeah, and there's, like, ten different packs right now. Okay. But I'm waiting for Friday, Spider-Man 2 for PS5 comes out. Oh. And... <laughs> I've seen this, a lot of really cool videos about that. I am stoked. Really? Yeah. So I will you're be, a big Spider-Man player. I'm a big Spider-Man guy, big PS5 guy. Midnight on Thursday, it's Spider-Man time. Really? I'm going to be coming into the station tired <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm very pro video games, but mostly I've been playing um, like the sports games. I will say, mm -hmm. for a while, I got really into Fall Guys. Did oh, you I get love into Fall that? Guys. Oh, because yeah. that's the kind of games that I think... They can kind of bring generations together. Yeah. It's like basic, but really good graphics. Uh, I just don't like Fortnite and the, and the <laughs> Call of Duty and those kind of games. That's not me. Not not for me either. Yeah, you're not a shooting I'm, game I'm guy. I'm a single player guy. Yeah. I, I just want to like hang out. I don't want to get competitive. Uh -huh. I, I When I'm playing a game, I usually want to like play a game and be watching a show. Okay. You know, like a yeah. little low attention yeah. for both yeah. kind of thing. I understand that a lot. I, I do that with FIFA sometimes, like have a college football game in the background while I'm playing FIFA. Uh, but yeah, so what I am kind of interested in is they have Netflix is reportedly putting plans together to develop games based on their own properties, like Squid Game. That could be kind of interesting if they're taking, like, if they had a Stranger Things game. You know what I mean? If yeah, they had I, games off of their popular content. Well, there is a series of like Stranger Things games. They're oh, not are. big, but okay. like they're probably it, not very good. Yeah, if they're making them for Netflix, I don't have high hopes. Yeah, I think it's smart to like send them off to to be on the consoles and on the computer and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But if they, if they keep making DVD menu games, I I don't see that doing anything for it them. It just feels like Netflix is trying everything right now like well, the story yesterday we we're talking about the yeah, netflix houses now they're trying to get into yeah, gaming it seems like they're scrambling when I, it seems like there's a part of it i think is because of the sharing password crackdown remember the tweet love is sharing a netflix password and they, and they turned their back on their own did. tweet so that's 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 not you know what that's not cool not that's cool. not cool man it's not cool man well, you're a cool man, Stubby. You've done a good job producing the show today. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.